We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's driving jam time! And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com Comeback pattern caught! Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Awesome to be with you on a Tuesday night on KMOX. I'm going to be jumping around a lot tonight, man. I got some good things. Uh, some of them are not so fun to talk about, but again, I'm going to keep with the theme of you know some on-field baseball conversation. I want to make sure I'm gradually mixing that in. In fact, you know, normally, you know, regular off season, we would have been doing um, the the countdown to opening day shows. You know, getting ready for baseball, we would be having guests on from the other National League Central Division cities, and talk. we're going to start doing some more of that because look. We don't know when spring training is going to start. We don't know if the season is going to start on time. But we do know that it's going to happen. They're not going to wash the whole season. Now, hopefully, they're not ridiculous and they don't push this to May or June. I mean, jeez. I mean, seriously, if it gets to that point, I might just drive around the country punching people. And I mean baseball people, not random people, but like people in the sport. Like, you think it might be a problem if I walked around punching players and owners? Well, first of all, I'd probably get punched back by most of those players. That wouldn't be good. Um, maybe some of the owners too, but, and I'm, and I'm saying that as I'm kidding, I'm not actually going to do that. If you're a law enforcement officer, don't worry. I'm not going to actually do that. And if somebody does do that, it's not me, but they, 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 they have to figure it out sooner or later. So we'll, we'll start to take a look at those other four teams in the division from the perspective of people that cover those teams. We'll be starting to do that here in the not-too-distant future. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about uh, the Super Bowl. we got the numbers, by the way, on Super Bowl viewership. We'll get to some of that next hour. Um, I, I do want to talk a bit about some college basketball. Not a lot tonight, but a little bit. My buddy Timmy Brando posted a rant on Twitter not that long ago. And Timmy B asks an interesting question that I'm going to have you guys kind of ask yourselves as well. Because he made the point, and he, he jokingly says he does this video every year, like right after the Super Bowl ends. Like, okay, when are the TV talk shows going to start talking college basketball? And, you know, I, I love Timmy B, but he, he has to know that that answer is never. That answer is never. And there are reasons for it. And, and I think, you know, you'll hear his, his, uh, his annual speech on this topic, which is good, by the way. I mean, Timmy B's, you know, passionate and fun and entertaining and smart. 
And I think there are some things beyond the scope of what he talks about that go into that, too. Um, I, I want to spend some time talking about uh, the lockout and what we're missing, right? I mean, we should be, I should be in Jupiter right now. And no, I'm not saying this as a complaint, like, I wish I was in the Florida sun. Like, ah, it's 60 degrees today. It's going to be 60 degrees tomorrow. It's going to be 60 over the weekend again. I'm not really a, no, but yeah, don't get me wrong. Part of me is like, yeah, I'd like to be in Florida. You know, got my weekends off, go down to Coral Gables and visit the uh, alma mater and all that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd like to be down there for those selfish reasons. And seeing baseball is the bigger reason because I love seeing baseball in spring training. It's the best spot to to be a, a, a an observer of Major League Baseball. Seeing drills going on at, at 7 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, being, I don't know, that all of that is just fun to me. And it's nerdy to most people, but to me it's fantastic and fun. And we should be there right now. This week, we should have pitchers and catchers all over Major League Baseball reporting for duty. That should have been happening today. And obviously it's not. Because we have this fight going on, as I outlined yesterday, and I know there there are different viewpoints on this, but I, I still put this firmly on ownership. Not only, <laughs> there's a difference between firmly and only. It's not only on the owners, but I think it's mostly on them. Because let's be honest, they've been kicking ass and taking names for the last 10 years. They've made a lot of money. They've had the advantage And some of the things that the players are asking for will actually help the sport too and not just their own bottom line. Because I do think that, you know, what's lost in this, and this is what I want to get into a little bit later this hour, is we're having, you know, we're we're sitting here in this kind of stalemate. Neither, by the way, neither the players or the owners are even talking about ways to improve the product. We're not even discussing ways to to improve the pace of play or whatever. And by the way, as I've said many times, I'm not sure there's a really good way to do it. I'm not sure there's a really good way that you can legislate more action into baseball. I've explained all these things a million times. I may end up briefly re-explaining them so I can set the tone for that conversation, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking enough about competitive balance and what can be done to keep teams from just being okay with being crappy for decades at a time. There's just not enough pain financially, not enough pain in being bad anymore. It doesn't matter because you still make money even if you stink. Because you're insulated. All of the revenue sources that Major League Baseball has from MLB Advanced Media to the TV contracts to revenue sharing, all of that, insulates the owners of these teams. And I'm talking about the lower revenue teams that choose not to try very hard. Even when they're good and they have a chance, they choose not to try very hard. Well, we can't make a deal that makes us better. But you'll be more than happy to start selling off assets as soon as they start hitting anywhere near free agency. Anyway, I, I, wanna, I wanted to get into that because the, the conversations that we're having are entirely about money, right? Which is, of course, at the root of the disagreement between the owners and the Players Association. But that's not the conversation we need to be having. Publicly, I mean. 
Like, we don't need that. That conversation does nothing for me. It does nothing for you as a fan. No matter how many delusional fans are out there going, well, if they didn't make so much, I would not pay that much money for tickets and beer. Like, no, that's actually, again, that's not how that works either. Take an economics class. What determines the prices you pay is supply and demand. People want them, and a lot of people want those things. The prices are going to go up. And just, you know, it's that simple. No matter what the players make, because if the owners saw it as a way to make more money, like if the players were like, okay, we're going to take pay cuts of 50% next year. The owners wouldn't be like, well, we're dropping ticket prices. <laughs> They'd be like, nope, that's more money for us. Woo. That's what businesses do, right? I mean, again, I'm not even trying to make this out to be a terrible thing. I'm just saying that's what businesses do. You're trying to maximize your revenues. I want to get into the fact that we're not having, though, the conversations that matter about on-the-field issues. And I'm not just talking about pitch clocks and things like that, although those are part of it, too. I'm also talking about competition. Let's get into that next up on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, doing some baseball here. And we got a couple of different versions of baseball that we're going to do tonight. Um, next hour, I want to get into the Cardinals outfield picture. So we're doing our little primers here, just kind of quick. These aren't real in-depth, but there's quick hitters on each positional group. So we've already done uh, the catchers, the starting rotation, the bullpen. We'll do the outfield and the DH combined today. Uh, just, it's easier to do. It's you know There are not that many outfielders. We'll do the infield at some point this week. Probably not tomorrow because we got a short show tomorrow in advance of the Billikens game against LaSalle. But probably Thursday or Friday, we'll do the infield picture too. And also next hour, we'll start looking at the playoff contenders in the National League and what to keep an eye on. Uh, because, look, the division is pretty clear, I think. Uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers appear to be the ones that are trying to make the playoffs at this point. Uh, the Reds have gone backwards it doesn't mean that they're going to stink though they've got some interesting young players that might break through I don't know that it'll be enough to to be contenders but it's worth talking about and the Cubs are not doing a whole lot either but they're also not tanking so they're kind of an in-between at this point so we'll talk a bit about the division um, as a whole as we go through and get closer to players actually reporting for duty and I wanted to look at the bigger picture in the National League, the teams that look like they will be playoff contenders. So in the division, it really only looks like two, but you never know, I guess, if one of the others is going to jump up there or if the Cubs have 
something else up their sleeves, right? I mean, they grabbed Marcus Stroman right before the lockout. I mean, maybe they're looking at a guy like Carlos Correa, which has been rumored. And if they are, maybe that changes the conversation. So we'll take a look at that in the next hour. The baseball stuff I want to hit on in this hour is the things that we're not getting to, the things that we're not talking about. You know, pitchers and catchers should be reporting today. We should be, you know, I should be in Jupiter watching pitchers throw bullpens and, you know, watching the catchers go through drills and, you know, talking to people about Yachty's last season getting started and, you know, hunting down Yachty in the clubhouse. Well, actually, we won't be, we won't have that access because of COVID. But you know what I mean? We, you know, we'd, we'd be covering all of these spring training stories and watching players go through workouts. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, the things that have been the big picture topics, which are clearly not at the core of what Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association are talking about. Every time we have these battles, it's about money and only about money. And I and again, I understand in a negotiation, the financial parts of, of the deal are the, the important parts. But if you guys flash back, some of you go back this far. Some of you, like my man Matt Pajeski here, they, you don't go back that far. If you go back to the 94-95 strike... And what they were talking about, it was entirely about the money. It was entirely about revenue sharing and changing the financial landscape uh, for the smaller market teams and all that. It was entirely about how to split it up. That's all it was. Nothing about steroids. Nothing about you know drug use or anything like that. Everything else got pushed to the side. And what followed just a few years later? What followed right after that strike and the loss of the World Series and then the return to the game? The steroid era followed that. Arguably the worst era in modern baseball history as far as what it did to the reputation of the game, what it did um, to the reputations of players who played in that era. Right now it's this dark, evil era. When in the, in the time, it was actually a fun time. The sport was going well fairly competitive, lots of things happening that don't happen now. But it was not a good thing for the sport by any means. But because the owners and the players were focused only on the money, they were missing something else that was brewing as a major problem in the sport. They were missing it. Oh, don't get me wrong. The players weren't missing it. The guys that were using steroids knew they were using steroids. It wasn't like they were like, and by the way, the clean guys knew too. It's not like they would see a teammate show up 30 pounds heavier and jacked to the gills from one end of the season to the start of next spring training. You know, they'd go out for three and a half, four months and come back looking like, I'm trying to, th- I was trying to think of who I wanted to say they look like. Because back then, I was going to say The Rock, but that, he wasn't around back then. So like looking like Hulk Hogan, you know, come back jacked. You got big shoulders and guns. You know, guys would make a pretty quick transformation back then. It's not like the players didn't know, but it wasn't an issue. The owners knew. How could you not? But it wasn't a priority. The money was. They had their eye on the money, and they missed out on something that wound up being a major problem. And I'm afraid that we're doing that again. It's not going to be steroids this time, but it's, it's the quality of the product on the field. How are you going to get better 
at putting out a better, more entertaining product when you're not even discussing those issues. Because as soon as we're done with this, right, as soon as we're done figuring out the money and the labor deal, then what's going to come next? What's going to come next is, oh, hey, guys, you want to have that talk about the pitch clock? And it's going to be like, nope, because we hate you. Both sides are going to come out of this with such a bad taste in their mouth that it's nobody's going to want to negotiate anymore over pitch clocks and automated strike zones and whatever other mechanisms people want to try to put into place to try to create action in the sport. And, and by the way, I'm not sure that I really think any of these things will make a difference. I mean, unless you're going to put a speed limit on pitchers, good luck. Can't throw over 94. If you go over 94, you're ejected from the game. Like, you're just not going to be able to do this. It's going to take time for hitters to catch up. And by the way, hitters are starting to make progress on that stuff. Getting better at handling the high velocity, getting better at their approach. Like, again, things will change on their own. I don't think we can really legislate this. Everybody wants to be like, well, all you got to do is get rid of the shift. Like, no, that's not going to change anything. In fact, if you if you get rid of the shift, you're you're incentivizing the guys that sell out to pull to do that even more because then there won't be any punishment for doing it. Some of those mishits will become singles instead of ground outs, and there will be even more incentive for people to sell out to the pull side to try to hit home runs. There's no good solution to it. But there are things that we could be talking about. Right to keep things moving a little bit, maybe shortening the breaks between innings. Maybe maybe a pitch clock is a thing, where both the pitcher and the hitter are are timed so that we aren't sitting there for 35, 40, 45 seconds between pitches, being like, wish something would happen. But even then, I'm not sure it fixes all the other problems. But these are the things that should be at the forefront of, of everybody's minds. The problem with all of that, of course, is that it's so far off the list of things being discussed right now that you're going to have almost an impossible time of picking up that conversation again. Now, you want to look at it in a certain way. You know, the owner, the owner, the commissioner does have the power if there's an impasse on such things, like if he if he proposes ideas and the union shoots him down, well, he can still implement them the next year when it comes to a lot of these, you know, on-field pace of play related things. But it doesn't mean that that's a good idea. You know, you, again, you want to make the relationship even worse after you've already just had this big old fight, which tells you that that stuff's going to get pushed off even further on down the road. But I don't think any of those things are what really matter. Let me ask you again. You can you can answer me on Twitter if you like, at Kevin Wheeler 94 But just think about it as a sports fan. What do you want? What do you want from the team that you cheer for? Do you want a faster pace? Do you want more singles? Or do you just want a good team? Because I can tell you right now, most people care way more about their team winning games than they do how they win games. And you can look at that in any other sport, right? Do you think fans of the 85 Bears gave a crap 
that they weren't known for slinging the ball all over the field on offense? Nope, because they won games with that defense. Nobody cares how your team wins. Just win. That's how you make fans. That's how you make your product sexy and cool. And it's, by the way, the Cardinals and Cardinals fans are proof of this. The reason the Cardinals draw so well year in and year out is because they haven't been bad for more than 20 years. They're good every year. Great some years, excellent others, okay in others, but they're basically good every year. Every year, you know as a Cardinals fan your team is going to be in the hunt. You know it. It's like clockwork. And that's why so many people buy tickets. And it's true everywhere. Everywhere. If the Cleveland Indians had winning seasons every year for 15 years, they would be drawing 3 million fans. And you know how we know this? Because when they were really good, they were drawing right around 3 million fans. A little bit under, but not much. So how do we get more of that? How do we get teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Colorado and sorry Royals, but you guys too. Although I'll admit you're doing a little better these days. Like the prospects you have that are coming along are pretty fun. But why do we why do we put up with so many teams being so bad for so long and not make the standard trying harder to put a good product on the field as opposed to trying to make your guys play a little faster? Not one fan in Baltimore is going to be like, well, you know, if the game's 15 minutes shorter, I won't mind if we lose 100 games. Nobody looks at it that way. Give them a better product. How do we get more of that? That should be the conversation. But obviously, it's not. We're getting a little bit more into that side of things next up on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Hi, back in on KMOX. And uh, we're, we're having some of the baseball conversation that I think the owners and the players should be having a little bit more of, not just about the dollars and cents, which is what, again, I, I understand completely why that is the focal point. I mean, I, it's, it's the thing that they need to get right, but it's not the only thing that they need to get right. Major League Baseball needs to be harder on the freeloading owners that are out there. There, there are freeloading owners who keep their payrolls low, who don't care if their team is any good, because they make money either way. No matter how bad the team is, they're going to make money so long as payroll is low enough. And I got, by the way, I have zero problem with teams making money. I don't want anybody losing money. It's a business after all. Like they shouldn't be, they're not in this for charity. I do think they should have a little bit different standard than a normal business. Because they do ask of us, the customer, the consumer, they ask for us to do things that we as consumers would not do in any other business, right? Like, would you accept 58-win quality food from a restaurant and continue to go back to that restaurant? 
because there's zero chance. If you go get crappy food or crappy service or both, you're not going back. You're just going to go somewhere else. And with sports teams, because you have the whole civic pride thing and people grow up, and this is not the fault of owners, but it's something that a lot of these owners exploit. I happen to think that you have a pretty good ownership group here, thankfully, because the Cardinals, they could take home a whole lot more money than they do. They could pull the same thing. I mean, like Pittsburgh is no bigger city, is no smaller city, I should say, than St. Louis. Kansas City and St. Louis are about the same. Milwaukee and St. Louis are about the same. But one of those ownership groups has found a way to be good pretty much every year for 20 years. And it, it's, it's funny. It's almost like if you invest in your product over time, you'll make more money over time. It's almost like if you can remain good, more people will buy your services or your product or, you know, what I guess, I guess let's call it a product. Almost like a real business. The better it is, the better you do. But at the bottom end of the spectrum, we've got teams that are in the, you know what, we'd rather just not try category. And I'm not just talking about the occasional tanker. I'm not talking about the Cubs going from a high payroll with a lot of bad contracts, then going in the tank for a few years, and then coming out on the other end. I'm not talking about the Astros who did the same. I'm talking about habitual offenders. Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado, Baltimore, Miami. I hate to say this, and I, and I hope I'm wrong moving forward, but this is what the Royals were under David Glass. You know, they had their run, but then they had to tear it apart. We can't maintain it. God forbid we can't spend any money on the team. We just won the World Series. What do you think we are? You think we're the Cardinals? I mean, if the Cardinals can do it, the Royals can do it. And I don't mean that the Royals can currently spend what the Cardinals do, but you could build that same thing. But you got to build trust in your fan base. They've got to know that year in and year out, they're going to be good, that it's not going to be a three- or four-year window. And, well, the window closes and we're done. We can't compete anymore. We'll just go back to really low payroll so we can just pocket money in revenue sharing and all that. And I know that the owners don't want to have that conversation. Although I, I, I suspect that maybe some on the top end probably do. Although maybe they don't. Maybe this is the problem. You know, yesterday I took the reverse look at the luxury tax, right? My argument is that the luxury tax should be going up. Revenues are going up, so why shouldn't that go up along with it? Well, I, I, part of the argument against my position, because I am a fair-minded person and I will argue against myself, and I do like to argue so much that I will argue against myself, but the argument against my position is, well, only about five teams have any chance of going above $210 million anyway. And if we push that number up to 230 or 240 those five teams will go there. Nobody else can. And we're growing the gap between the haves and the have-nots. It's a fair counterpoint. Now, if the teams at the bottom, though, were doing more on their part, it wouldn't be as big of a gap. But you know, they won't agree to that. But I, I could see that. Here's the other side to what I was just saying, how you would think that teams like New York and L.A. and all, you would think that they would be irritated by ownership groups that just pocket the revenue-sharing money that they get, right? Because you're getting money from Major League Baseball as a, as a low-revenue team. You're getting money every year from them that you're supposed to use to make your team, your product better. 
But not. But a lot of these teams don't do that. And I'd say, you know, well, the, you hear this every once in a while, like the Yankees are really unhappy behind the scenes that the money that they have to put into revenue sharing doesn't get used. Let me ask you this. Maybe they like it this way because then there's less competition. If you're the big guys, would you rather Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Colorado, Baltimore, Miami, et cetera, would you rather that they just pocket the money that they get from you? Or would you rather that they spend it on players so that they're better and perhaps take victories away from you? I don't know, man. I think a lot of these teams, these big, the big money teams, would gladly pay their fellow owners to not try, which is essentially what's happening. Now, is it happening in half the league? No, no, it's not. But it's enough where it screws everything up. It, it it messes up the free messes up free agency and all that, and I would really like to see that addressed. Like, how do we bring more people along to at least try? But there's no incentive to try right now. The incentive is lower your payroll. Nobody cares how many games you lose anyway. You're not going to draw any fans, but you're going to make money through revenue sharing in the TV deals, and that's how it goes. And that's bad, by the way, for the long term of the business. Because you've got generations of fans growing up not seeing a quality product and therefore not becoming as as big a baseball fan as they could. And that's my TED Talk. All right, let's uh, move on. We got, I, I got more baseball coming up after the top of the hour. We'll look at the Cardinals outfield. We'll talk about all the teams that look like contenders in the National League. I do have some football that I want to get into next hour. The Super Bowl ratings are out and they're up pretty significantly from last year. Interesting, and there's some interesting notes about which markets were really into the Super Bowl and which ones were not. We'll take a look at that as well. Up next, though, I want you to hear a two-minute rant from my friend Tim Brando from CBS Sports. I'm sorry, he's with Fox Sports now. Long time with CBS Sports, now with Fox Sports. Talking about why a lot of what he refers to as the national TV media, but really he's talking about ESPN and FS1, why they don't talk more about college basketball at this time of year. I'll let you hear what he has to say, and I'll toss some ideas at you coming up next on KMOX. All right, so the Super Bowl is officially over. The NFL season is over. Actually, that's not true. The NFL season never ends. Because right now, we've gone from Super Bowl to draft season. And and I'm a football fan. I, I, I enjoy it. And I think one thing the NFL does well is they 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 make themselves relevant year round. I mean, they just they do that very well. Uh, but this is the time of year where normally people are like, "Okay, Super Bowl's over. Let's talk baseball." Well, we can't do that now. But other people are are making the point that that my friend Tim Brando is making. He made this on his Twitter handle. You can find him at Tim Brando on Twitter, um, where he said, "Hey, football's over. When are we going to talk a little bit of college basketball on TV?" He didn't talk about radio because obviously radio is all about what's local, right? Uh, but you could probably make the same argument for national radio also. Like, where's the college basketball talk? Why Why don't they? Well, So rather than me framing this further, I'll just tell you that you can find this video at Tim Brando on Twitter. But this is Timmy B from Fox Sports who's making the point that, hey, football's over. What about college hoops? The Super Bowl is finally over. So that means football is actually over. Am, am, I, am I right? Am I right with that? I think it is. So uh, college basketball 
is actually in its last hmm, three weeks of the regular season. Why the hell isn't anybody talking about it? Turn on television every night. Every night. ACC Network's got a great game. Big Ten Network's got a great game. SEC Network's got a great game. And then there's FS1, there's ESPN, there's ESPN2. Nothing but college basketball. Turn on those same channels a little bit later the next day. Nothing. I mean, crickets. No conversation whatsoever. <laughs> wow. College basketball's got its issues. I'll, I'll give you that. But what we do know is that this is going to be the most competitive NCAA tournament ever. The conference tournaments are going to be through the roof good. And every night of the regular season, you're getting wire games. And yet, most in mainstream media just simply don't want to discuss it. <laughs> People will tell me, give me all these different reasons why. I will give you the bottom line as to why, okay? There's a lot of laziness in the media. People just don't want to know who the starters for Providence are. They're 21-2, and two, playing Villanova tonight, a four-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Ed Cooley's coached his rear end off, and no one's taking notice. I don't get that. I really don't. I go on the weekends to places like Michigan State or to Purdue or to Illinois, and I see great crowds. Same is true in the Big East when I go along that tour along the East Coast. I mean, it matters. College basketball is a, still a big deal. And if you cobble together all the numbers of people watching all of these games that are running opposite one another, there's still a great percentage of the viewing public still watching college basketball. This is my annual event. I think I do it every year. Can we get the helmet heads in sports television to start paying attention to college basketball before Selection Sunday? I hope so. Timmy B, I hate to break it to you, buddy. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> and and by the way, Timmy B makes some really good points in there. I don't think he's wrong in, in any way in, the, in where he's directing this criticism. I do think it's more than laziness, though. Although I will say it is laziness for some people because college basketball is so big. It's so big, man. It's over 300 teams. But here's the thing. He's right. People are watching. People are watching the games. It's a very popular sport. But I think that college basketball has the same problem that Major League Baseball has. Is that interest in the teams is very localized. See, this is what the NFL has that every other sport is dying to have. And the NBA has it to a degree, but not to the level the NFL does. The NFL is national no matter what teams you're talking about. It doesn't have to be talking about my team for me to be interested in, in NFL talk. And I'm speaking as Joe sports fan here, not just me as Kevin Wheeler. Baseball talk is very localized. Viewership is very localized. So, right, you, you hear all the time that the national TV ratings for baseball aren't good, but then you look up and you're like, well, all the local ratings are fantastic for teams. So, you know, teams, no matter what, Tampa, you name it, they have great ratings in their home marketplace. College basketball is the same. It's very regional. I don't give any craps about Providence because I'm nowhere near Providence. And yeah, they're good, man. I've watched their games. They're fun. But people tend to care about what's close to them. So when Mizzou's having a big year, more people in Missouri are excited. When the Billikens are having a good year, and they're having a pretty good year right now, people are more excited. Same thing for the Illini. But it's very regional. 
which makes the conversations on those TV shows that he's talking about very difficult. Not to mention the fact that a lot of the guys working on those shows are football players. Just want to throw that out there. Good stuff from Timmy B. Hang tight. More baseball after the news. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.